for a lot of people, when a family member is ailing or deceased, there's this, this terrible decision that we have to make. Like, do I want to be there with them in their last days? Or do I want to wait and go home for the funeral or the service, right? Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Hello and welcome. Personal finance can be a pretty terrifying subject. Not only do most of us not make a lot of money, but we live in expensive places and have this weird, unpredictable income. My guest today is Sarah Brady. Sarah worked as a server here in the city for many years, and now she works as a personal finance expert, writing, coaching, and teaching workshops, helping people in our industry improve our financial wellness. Let's hear what she had to say. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice place. So, speaking of it being hard to live in the city, <laughs> um, and especially for bartenders, um, let's just talk a little bit about the financial challenges of being in this industry. I know mm-hmm. you were in the industry for a long time. Um, what maybe what were some of the challenges you faced mm-hmm. just living in this city and being in the industry? Wow, yeah, that's a great question. A lot of stuff comes to mind. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest challenges that you face when you're working in restaurants and a lot of your income comes from tips is that you don't know exactly how much money you're going to be making. Right. Um, And that's something that it's not just an issue that bartenders face or servers face, but people who work seasonally, you know, contractors, self-employed people. I'm self-employed now, so I still have some of those same issues. Like mm-hmm. looking forward at a month, I it's hard for me to predict with total accuracy how much money I'm going to be making. Um, so that can be really stressful. Um, it can be really stressful. Um, something I experienced when you sort of have a surprise and you you know, surprise, it's a slow season. People aren't coming in this week. There's an event going on or there's the weather changed and people just don't want to go out to eat or um, those things that you have absolutely no control over, but they directly impact what's happening with your finances and they stress you out and suddenly you're eager for it to get busy and people to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I work at two bars that don't have TVs, so anytime mm-hmm. like the Warriors or the Giants uh, are doing well, yeah. it's just... it's just dead in here (laughs) so that's funny because it's something that you can sort of predict and prepare for a little bit but yeah those are the kinds of things where I think when you feel like you don't have control over what's happening um you can just sort of spin out and get so stressed out about what's going on you know Mm -hmm. how did you handle that how did I handle that um so one of the things I would do is I think the balance and sorry sort of getting to this answer in a roundabout way. Um, One of the benefits of doing shift work is that you can choose to increase your income if you, you know, if your schedule allows or if you want to by picking up extra shifts or letting somebody else leave early instead of you, right? Um, And those are things that I think when we're in the middle of a shift and we're stressed out, we don't want to do. But I think setting that intention a little bit and recognizing like, hey, you know what, Um, I have a trip coming up, I need to earn a little bit of extra money, 
or, you know, I know that slow season is coming up, um, just kind of deciding in advance. Like, if I have the opportunity tonight, I'm going to work a little bit longer. You know, I'm going to uh, just deal with it for the evening, or I'm going to say yes when the opportunity comes up to pick up a shift. Um, I think that's one of the great, you know, benefits of doing that kind of work. Mm even though it doesn't always feel great in the moment. <laughs> right, right. So you have to save money when you can. Save money when you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about this uh, when I was on the way over here. You know, um, it's important when you start to recognize the cycles of what happens seasonally as a server or bartender. I keep including servers because that's my background, but um, mm. I'll speak just to bartenders. <laughs> yeah, well, it's all similar income structure. So it's, yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so just if I could ask you the question as a bartender, um, we're coming up on the holidays, uh, beginning of the year, what do you think is going to happen to your income over the next four or five months? Typically during the holiday season, there's a lot of private event buyouts, at least at the places I work, there's, we have event spaces. We're actually recording one of them now. Hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> So there's typically like a, a little bit of a bump from um, private events because those have, you know, automatic gratuity attached to them. Uh, but then it seems like January is always the slowest mm -hmm. month of the year. Right. And that's okay. I think um, recognizing that that's just part of the job is really important. Um, what doesn't work or what can be a problem is if you aren't looking ahead in that way and recognizing that this is just an inevitable part of the work that you do. So um, <clears throat> seeing in advance is really important. Like there are these cycles that just happen, as I mentioned before, I don't really have control over it, but what I do have control over is um, when I have the opportunity, maybe trying to make a little bit of extra money or planning on in you know November, December, when I have those private parties, when I get to make a little bit extra, I'm gonna set some of it aside so that I'm covered during the slow season and I don't just have to like freak out, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and that's a really normal part of dealing with work that shifts seasonally is saying, okay, you know what? I'm estimating that I'm gonna make 20% less in January and February Therefore, in November and December, I'm going to try to set some extra cash aside, right? Which I think is a hard thing to do for people in our industry because we're so used to like walking out of our bar at midnight or 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. with a wad of cash in our pocket. And it's like going to the bank to deposit. Like you have to go to the bank to deposit cash mm -hmm. and that's right. like difficult to do. And so we just have this cash and we're not really keeping track of it and it's not really growing or anything and it's like well you know yeah I can go out for tacos and like <laughs> you know with my buddies after work and then because I can just do it all again tomorrow and I'll have another wad of cash in my pocket right um right. how did you handle that or what do you recommend for this like kind of cash-based lifestyle that a lot of us have yeah I mean I think what you're describing um first of all what what's coming up for me as you're saying that is the feeling that you feel at the end of a, of a difficult shift or maybe a couple of days of intense work is that it gets harder to make good decisions. So when we're getting worn down, when we're stressed out, we can start to get pretty impulsive. 
Um, and I love sort of talking about the psychological side of how we make financial decisions because I think really so much of it boils down to that. So one, just recognizing that at the end of a long shift or at the end of maybe your sort of work week, you're going to be worn out and you're going to probably be more likely to do something impulsive, uh, make a decision that doesn't really benefit you. Um, so just acknowledging that that's kind of what's going on and that you are very likely to, to want to do something like that. Um, when you're worn out or stressed or whatever. Um, what I think is important is to start to get comfortable with the idea of having a system and maybe even just start to get comfortable with the idea of saying no to yourself or no to your coworkers or your friends. And that's something that I, when I coach people, I even encourage them to think ahead, envision that moment where you sort of have the invitation or the temptation to do something that maybe you can't afford to do, really. Um, and just kind of practice saying no or practice um, having an alternative. Like, hey, let's all, you know, why don't we go back to my place and like split a bottle or something um, that is going to be a lot more affordable, right? Mm -hmm. um, so preparing yourself a little bit in advance. And then the other thing I would say that moves a little bit away from the soft, like kind of woo-woo side of it is it's really, really important to start to develop a system that you can follow consistently. And a lot of times when people ask me, what do I do, how do I manage money, we're often looking for like the silver bullet or the one-size-fits-all solution, and I don't believe in that at all. I think we all operate a little bit differently. We all have sort of different feelings about how, you know, we might manage money or even how we might manage you know physical fitness or just other stuff about health and wellness in our lives um, but what's really important is to choose a system and at least try it i say at least try it for a couple of weeks and see if it works if it doesn't work that's fine you tried you can cross that off your list and then try something new and so a couple of things that i would recommend um, this might feel a little bit uncomfortable for bartenders, but is the idea that all of your cash goes into the bank, all of it, right? And so trying to um, migrate to just using uh, your, your checking account, just using your debit card for all of your purchases. And one of the major benefits of that is that then we can actually start tracking how much money we're spending. Because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that as a bartender, someone who operates with a lot of cash, you just can't really track how much money you're spending. Yeah. Right? It's hard. It's hard because you have to save all your cash receipts and then like put it in something. And that takes time and no one wants to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so recognizing that too, like if, you're, if your financial management system is dependent on you making a good decision at the end of your shift, it might be difficult. So think about creating a system for yourself that's pretty easy. I'm all about finding the easiest uh, system for you. And so what that might be is something, instead of saying, I got all this cash, I'm not gonna spend any of it, I'm just setting it aside in my bag or whatever, I'm gonna use only debit tonight. Um, if that feels too sort of severe or difficult because you're so used to or comfortable you know, operating with cash, Maybe instead, at the end of the night, you pull out 20% of your tips and you say, okay, this is money that I can spend for food or for drinks or whatever. Or maybe it's less, maybe it's 10%. You know, I, again, there's no one size fits all. We're all making kind of different amounts of money, right? But make a decision about how you want to operate your system 
and either set all of your cash aside and don't touch it and you know hey once a week twice a week whatever it is i'm building this into my schedule as part of my regular system my regular routine going to the bank and depositing all of this or you know maybe your system is like i said putting aside a very set amount of cash every night maybe it's just 20 bucks every night and you go okay i can do whatever i want to do with this but that's it then i'm cut off right mm-hmm. then you're 86 um <laughs> And just try it. Just stick to it. You know, it might feel like you're dying. Uh, for a lot of people, the idea of budgeting or like self-restriction feels awful. Yeah. Um, and so just play with it and see what works. But the the most important thing I would say is at least start trying something um, now. I think that's also a way to know how much money you're actually making. Because I think when yeah. we have all of this cash, exactly, we're usually not even <clears throat> keeping track of it. And so... We don't even really know what our income is, and it's really hard to set a budget for yourself when you don't know how much is actually in the pot because it's all in cash. Absolutely. I think um, speaking to that, um, one of the things, one of the questions you had shared with me before today was about how do you manage your money when you don't even really know how much you're making, what's coming and what's going. And um, one of the things I would say is, is there's a couple of ways that you can start figuring that out. And it's really important to just kind of start that process of exploring how much money you're making. One of the ways that you can do that is, um, as part of your regular routine, take a look at your pay stubs. You know, every, uh, most people get paid every other week. When you get that pay stub, just take a few minutes to sit down and look at what it says. Um, it'll probably be a little bit confusing you may need to sit down with your manager and have them walk you through it. They may not even really know how to read your pay stubs, unfortunately. They may, you know, you may kind of fumble through it together and they may have to go and find more information for you and come back. Um, But there are simple things that we can do on a regular basis that are really important that help us just kind of start understanding what's happening with our finances. So one I would recommend is just start getting used to looking at your pay stubs and try to eventually become an expert on what you see there. Um, at least that tells you what you're making from your hourly labor. Uh, it may not tell you, depending on how, man, how much of your tips you're reporting, it might not accurately tell you what you're making. Um, but another way that you can get clear about that, it's really simple system, is just at the end of the night, you know, you get your envelope with money or whatever, just write it down somewhere, a um, little note app on your phone or whatever it is, just Take that 10 seconds to open up the app on your phone and say, okay, on Tuesday, this is how much I walked with. On Wednesday, this is how much I walked with. Something as simple as that over the course of a month is going to give you a ton of useful information that maybe you didn't have before. So it's not like rocket science. You know, Mm. it's just as simple as starting to keep records about what's going on with your money. Mm. One of the things you mentioned was emotions around (laughs) money uh, and I think yeah. I think that's a good segue I feel like a lot of us don't even want to think about it we don't even talk about it I feel a great amount of anxiety mm-hmm. anytime I even have to talk about money or think about my money um, what would you recommend on just like getting comfortable with this and yeah. and not freaking out um, and not like, ah, oh, I don't care. It's working now. I'm not going to do anything about it. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we really do need to think a little bit more long term because anything could happen. You know, we don't know. We could get injured and then you can't go to work every night and come home with three and a bucks in your pocket. Like, Absolutely. Um, 
How, yeah. how would you handle emotions around money a little better? Hmm. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of different ways that we can engage with that fear and that anxiety. And again, it kind of just gets into the psychology of why we do what we do. Um, one of the things I would recommend is if you've had challenges with managing your sort of wellness in other parts of your life, I, I love the analogy of like physical fitness and nutrition. Think about what has worked for you in the past to deal with that. Um, and it's, it's going to be different for everybody, right? So maybe um, listening to podcasts help, helped you stay motivated, right? Um, mm -hmm. Good example, I guess, um, in this moment. Maybe um, filling your social media feeds with inspiration about that particular topic helped you stay motivated or overcome some of that fear. Maybe talking to your friends about it and sort of getting buy-in from them helped you. Um, so one of the things that I think is really important because we we all really, we all could be better at money management. And, I, and I'm putting myself at the front of that list because six, seven years into a career doing financial coaching, I'm still extremely anxious about money. I have a very anxious relationship with money. Um, and so every time I get to a new milestone, whether it would be saving for a special event or wanting to invest more in retirement, there's tons of denial, there's tons of avoidance. Um, but getting yourself to a point where there's positive information coming in too and just positive encouragement um, so that's a little bit of a sort of general answer. Um, I'll share a couple of statistics with you and maybe some more specific pointers um, that I love to share during my workshops and all of mm -hmm. that. So there are a few specific things that you can do to kind of help yourself achieve a goal, right? And in this case, we'll say that, you know, you have a financial goal to save a certain amount of money or save for emergencies. Um, one of the things that you can do is just write it down. And that might sound really sort of generic and so simple, and I hate any implication that I'm super like simple and easy to hack into in that way, but statistically, we're about 42% more likely to achieve a goal if we write it down. And so if you think about it, you improve, improve your chances significantly by just writing something down. And maybe your goal is just, you know what, I want to start saving $100 a month. That's a beautiful, amazing financial goal to start with, right? Um, so writing it down. Um, the next thing you can do to kind of kick that up to the next level is tell a friend. So again, statistically, we're about 65% more likely to achieve a goal if we tell someone about it. Mm. And what helps even more is if it's somebody who we respect or whose opinion really matters to us. Um, maybe it's a parent who you kind of want to impress a little bit with your money management skills, or maybe it's a manager who you want to get some buy-in from to help you like pick up more shifts or whatever. Um, but that's just a really easy way to improve your chances of actually kind of putting some energy and some thought behind what you want to accomplish. And then the other thing that a lot of people are uncomfortable with that is most effective, so we're about 95% more likely to achieve a goal that we set for ourselves if we set an accountability date with someone to talk about the goal. Mm. And I bring that up a lot in my workshops and people are always like, ugh, I do not want to do this. No, I feel anxious just thinking about doing yep, it. Yeah, I feel anxious talking about it. Um, and it's difficult. But what I think is important is 
I used that term buy-in earlier, but to get buy-in from people who are in your environment. Um, like what a cool thing for you to be able to do and cool in maybe the, not the most conventional sense, but to start talking to other bartenders you work with about how great it would be for you guys to start saving money and, um, you know, prepare for retirement together. And what an amazing way to create really meaningful support in your workplace. Maybe you decide that you want to challenge everybody to, you know, achieve a certain savings goal or to, hey, you know what, you guys, how about for the next like two weeks, we don't, you know, we just go drink at our houses or we do something a little bit more affordable or somebody brings in dinner for, you know, whatever it would be. Um, I think that's a really neat way to like kind of show leadership in, in your workplace or your friend group or whatever. But if you work with people you trust and if you have friends who you think really care about you and support you, like trust that and lean into it and let them know that you're worried about your finances if that's the case. You're nervous, as you mentioned, or anxious and allow them to kind of like be part of that with you and maybe even make money a topic that is more comfortable or normal for you to discuss when you get together. Mm. Sounds like more fun that way. It's <laughs> stressful. You know, we're, we're all in this together. It so absolutely is. Relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. okay? It's not just me up against money all by myself. Especially because I think for bartenders, the way that you spend money is really social. Like the yeah. decisions that you're making ultimately are about a desire, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. I'm normally speaking for from my point of view, but it's about social connection, right? Totally. And that's something that is really important. And when we think about restricting our spending, the fear is that I don't get to maybe connect in the way that I want to. I don't get to have this like fun, energizing experience with people, these adventures with people. Um, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stop doing that. It just means that it, maybe it takes some conscious effort together to make a shift in the way that that happens. Right. Let's talk about like, what are the reasons to save? Why do we save money? Why do we not just continue in this cycle? Because it seems like it works, but it's probably not going to work forever. Right. Um, right. So what are, what are the main reasons to save? <coughs> um, yeah, I love this question. So let me, um, let me give you a scenario that came up for me recently working with someone. Um, it's an unfortunate event. I don't say this to, to scare anybody, but... Um, somebody I was working with in particular had a death in the family. And a lot of us live far from home, right? It's a city of transplants. Um, and so this particular individual didn't have money saved up. And so suddenly there's this really awful conundrum that they have to deal with, which is like, one, how do I come up with the cash to pay three times the regular cost of a plane ticket to get home? Um, how long can I afford to be there, right? Nobody wants to have to make a decision like that. Um, for a lot of people, when a family member is ailing or deceased, there's this, this terrible decision that we have to make, like, do I want to be there with them in their last days, or do I want to wait and go home for the funeral or the service, right? And I, it feels yucky even talking about this example. Yeah. But um, you probably, if you haven't been through something like this yourself, you probably know someone who has, um, and it's a bit of, of an extreme example, but it's, it, it's also just reality. Like these are the kinds of decisions that we sort of corner ourselves into if we don't have money set aside. 
Um, I personally had an experience. I was working at a restaurant here in the city with no sick leave, no health insurance. And uh, this was before I was a financial counselor, so I didn't really know how to prepare for things like this. And I got really sick. I want to say I had some kind of flu. Um, and I was out of work for about a week and a half. And it was a really small staff, so that my manager was covering for me. So not only did I have the stress of, oh my God, where am I going to come up with the money to cover myself during this time? But my manager is covering my shifts for me. Like, that's so stressful, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, it was somebody who I had a great relationship with. But um, at the, at the, on the tail end of that, as I was starting to get better, I had a tooth crack. I didn't have dental insurance. So now I had to figure out how to go and deal with all of this and cover the expense. Um, not to mention I got dumped, like, basically on the same day. So just oh, adding no. to that. And then... Um, a friend's father passed away like the next day and I was in this awful situation um, I couldn't I didn't know what to do I couldn't I didn't have the money to go home I couldn't keep missing work um, and that's a situation that I still have that's still frustrating to me in retrospect that I couldn't show up for the people I wanted to show up for um, so that's a lot of information in response to your question but these are really real scenarios that we face, you know, and maybe it's something more day to day, like your car just breaks down and, oh my God, I have no money to pay for these repairs. What the hell am I going to do? Um, so those are the kinds of situations that we sort of force ourselves into when we don't have any money set aside for emergencies. Long answer. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a great motivation. It can, it doesn't have to be a scary thing because yeah. that, that's reality. We all feel invincible and we don't we don't like to think about the fact that these things could happen but yeah. you know the reality is you could walk out of your door and like get hit by a car like or <laughs> the reality you know? is you yeah. know especially I think for folks who um <laughs> I want to be sensitive about how I say this but who are drinking a lot you know is that you could get hurt mm -hmm. I mean I'm sure you've had yourself or somebody in your circle has had something like this happen, you know, drank too much, lost my phone, you know, drank too much. Um, you know, I know people who've had serious injuries as a result of, you know, a, a rough night out. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a reality. And then if you don't have health insurance, if you don't have sick most leave, of us don't. <laughs> right. Um, what the hell are you going to do? And so I, I, I appreciate, too, you're kind of wanting to frame it in the positive. The, the Looking at framing it in a positive way is how great of a gift you can give to yourself by saving up some money so that when that happens, you don't have to add to an already difficult situation with more stress. You go, oh, my gosh, thankfully, you know what? It sucks to have to spend the money that I've been saving, but that's what it's there for. Thanks, right? past me. Yay. <laughs> it really came through for me. Thanks, uh, old I, me. I like that you said when it happens, mm -hmm. not if Absolutely. it happens, because it's yeah. really important that we need to think about mm -hmm. it as a when and not an if, because, you know, it's it's very likely that yeah. <laughs> something's going to happen to us or someone close to us, Absolutely. especially the older we get. You know, the older we get, the more people <coughs> are going to die and get sick in our lives. That's, <laughs> that's just the reality, and it's scary to think about that. It but. is, yeah. And another thing I want to mention, too, is is um, for people who have cars, and not all of us do, but... Um, your car will break down. It will mm -hmm. eventually need to be replaced. And so that's just part of the cost of, of owning an asset is going, okay, I got to have some money set aside for this eventual, you know, repair that I'm going to need to take care of. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about 
functionally how we kind of touched on it already, but mm-hmm. but how do you save? Um, yeah. What is a strategy, maybe on a weekly or monthly basis, that that we can do to to start saving money and then have that money kind of work for us a little bit more? Yeah, great question. Um, so one of the things I want to address is just a little bit of the fear about saving, and then I'll give you some pointers. But um, first of all, it's okay to oversave as you're figuring this out because you can pull money back out of your savings, right? And so people get really nervous about the idea of putting a lot of their income into savings. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. I can't spend it. But the reality is if you need it, you can just pull it right back out. No big deal. So maybe try to not be so worried about oversaving. Um, there is such a thing as having too much cash in savings, which is maybe another question we can discuss. But um, honestly, it comes down to um, what is the most proven way that people save money effectively. And the most proven way to do that is by making it automatic. Um, probably a lot of us work at, you know, work for small businesses that don't have like a dedicated payroll company or HR. So we can't necessarily go to our payroll rep and say, Hey, I want, you know, X percentage of every paycheck sent instead of checking, I want it sent right into my savings account. But what we can do is go to our bank or credit union, whatever, and let them know, okay, every, you know, every pay date, I want. 20% of my paycheck to go into savings, or I want $100 from every paycheck to go into savings. And your bank can do that automatically for you. And that alleviates a lot of the concern about how do I come up with a system? How do I make these decisions? Take that decision away from yourself, every paycheck, and make it automatic, right? And so that's, I can't stress that enough. There aren't a lot of, like I mentioned before, sort of silver bullet, one-size-fits-all solutions, but this is indeed one of them. If you set up an automatic deposit to savings, then you are going to be much more successful at saving money. And the same is true you know, if you're at a point where you're ready to start investing in your retirement. Set up that automatic deposit into your retirement. Um, that's something that was really hard for me to do, and now I don't even miss the money. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like I have sometimes when I see that the withdrawal was made from my checking account, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. And really, the reason that that works is if we have the money in our hand, now we have to make the awful decision to not spend it. But if it's diverted before we see it, it's like the out of sight, out of mind thing. Right. It's going to be much easier to get used to not touching that. It's like you don't even really have it, but mm-hmm. you do have it. Um, yeah. And it's still there. Right. Yeah. If, if you happen to need it, once you do this and you and you look at your account and realize like, oh, there's a there's a few thousand dollars in here. Like mm-hmm. this is wonderful. Yeah. Um, what should you do then? I know something that one of the when I started thinking about this kind of stuff a few years ago, one of the first things I did was create an emergency savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about that, but also like, wh- what do you do once you save up? Say say you save up five thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, what should your next step be? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so what's important to understand when you get to a place where you start to have a, a surplus is what I would call it. So not only do you have some extra cash sitting aside, but maybe even you're making a little bit more than you need to make every month um, is to make sure that you're putting it in places that work for you. 
um, and that set you up for financial stability. So the first thing that you want to do when you have a little bit of extra cash is I always recommend some of that should be a cushion in your checking account that you never spend that you just plan on never, ever touching. And the amount that you do is going to be different for everybody. I kind of generically recommend $1,000. If that's not possible for you, that's fine. Um, but I use that measure, and actually I should adjust for cost of living. But um, think about whatever is your biggest expense. Usually it's rent, right? Um, and just keep that in your checking account and never touch it. That way, in the case of an absolute financial catastrophe, you can at least pay your rent, right? And Let's say your rent is $1,500 a month. When you look at your checking account, just assume that a $1,500 balance, think of it as if it's a zero balance, right? Mm. So that's going to help protect you in case of a catastrophe. It's also going to keep you from overdrafting. You know, if you're not paying attention to how much you spend, it's just a great way to make sure that you don't make a big mistake. Once you've hit that goal, then you want to roll the, rex the rest of your extra cash or your monthly surplus into an emergency savings account. And it sounds like that, you know, in this scenario, it sounds like that's where you're at, is you have some cash that you want for emergency savings. So that's the next most important thing to do. Um, with the caveat that if you have high interest debt, you really want to start paying that off, off aggressively. And that mm. means debt where you're, you're paying more than about 6 or 7%. Mm. Um, so emergency savings... Um, the way that you want to decide how much to have set aside for emergencies, generally the advice is something like three to six months uh, worth of your regular living expenses. Mm -hmm. And what I like to encourage people to do, if that sounds really daunting and overwhelming, focus on the smallest number. So three months of your most basic living expenses. So, you know, let's say that you... If you cut back on everything you don't need, you can get by on, you know, $3,000 a month, let's say. And so we want to have about $9,000 in a savings account. And it should be, it doesn't specifically have to be savings. It can be like a money market account, but somewhere where you can access it without any penalties in the event of something unexpected, right? So make sure it's somewhere where you have no penalties. And then from there, try to get as much interest for that cash as possible. Mm. Right now, that's usually going to be a money market account. You might be able to earn about 2% interest. And that's important because it helps you keep up more or less with inflation, um, which is maybe a whole other topic. But um, if you're looking for a place, a money market account or a savings account with high interest, I recommend checking out Bankrate. Um, so Bankrate keeps an up-to-date list of all of bank rates, basically interest mm -hmm. rates that you can earn for different types of accounts and you can shop around and see if there's somewhere where you would feel comfortable putting that money at. I know I'm getting long-winded, which is my thing anyway, no, but fine. once you achieve that savings goal, then you want to start thinking about adding a bit to that for like shorter term goals. Maybe you want to add a little bit of to that for like vacation that you plan to take or holiday spending or whatever else it would be, your new tattoo. Um, bartenders, I see you with your tattoos. Um, <laughs> and then what you once you hit that goal, you want to start thinking about getting that money somewhere where it can earn you even more interest. So maybe you're saving up to buy real estate. Maybe you're investing that money in an IRA, a retirement account, right? So you want to start getting that money set aside and earning a lot more interest so that it's going to be there for you for your retirement, essentially. You mentioned credit uh, briefly, and I know yeah. a lot of it's something a lot of people struggle with. Look, why is it bad to be in debt? Um, I think it, maybe it's <coughs> obvious, but maybe not obvious to, to some people. 
And I know one thing that a lot of people might not understand, because I hear this story where like, oh, yeah, I don't have a credit card anymore because like mm-hmm. I went nuts. And then so now I just <laughs> don't have one. But it's like not having any credit is kind of the same as um, from what I understand, like having bad credit <laughs> and like why is bad credit a bad thing? Maybe we can just talk about credit and getting out of debt a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, so just kind of weeding through that a little bit, I want to speak to, um, what you mentioned about, you know, I don't want to overspend, but I also want to make sure that I'm building good credit mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. One of the ways to do that is by simply having a credit card account open. Right. Um, and so sort of the, the trick there is if you, if you're wanting to build credit, but you don't want to, you know, get yourself in trouble is have a credit card account, but just don't use it. Right. Um, now that might sound kind of funny and it's, it's sort of like busy work in a sense. Why, why do I need to get something that I'm not going to use? But the reality is that having a credit card account open, um, and making your payments on time each month, if you don't owe any money, then that counts as making your payment on time. It's just going to help you slowly, but surely build up your credit scores. Um, but especially if you're somebody who doesn't trust yourself to be disciplined, just don't use the card. Um, now, I will say that some some credit card companies close your account if you go for a long time without spending. And so you can do something as simple as, you know, every six months. I mean, this is a goofy example, but every six months you can go and buy a coffee and then pay it off the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really all you need to do with a credit card. Mm. Now, you can do more if you want, um, and but there's really not a great reason to use credit cards. Even points, miles, uh, I'm I'm cautious about recommending Mm -hmm. that people do that. I think those those kinds of cards are only a good idea for people who have good financial discipline and who know without a doubt that they're going to be able to pay off their expenses within the next 30 days before the payment is due. So credit cards are, are, you know, something that are meant to be used very thoughtfully and very Mm. minimally. (laughs) One thing I did was uh, just put my, you know, I have like a health insurance bill and a phone bill that Mm -hmm. I'm going to pay no matter what. Like you can have that be paid by credit card and then have your credit card balance like automatically be paid from you. So you can just, it's another one of these automatic things like having $100 diverted to your savings. Um, (coughs) You can just set up like, oh, all the bills I'm going to pay no matter what can just be paid with the credit card and then paid off immediately. That's perfect. That's absolutely great. A lot of um, financial counselors, other people in my field recommend doing something like that. Just set up, you know, a simple automatic um, payment that will be charged to your credit card and then make sure that it's paid off right away. I would say even if it's all automated, it's a good idea to still keep an eye on it. <laughs> right. Kind of returning to your question before about having like a money management system. One of the things I really highly recommend is get in the habit on a regular basis of looking at your bank statements and your credit card statements. And one of the best ways I can recommend to do this, this has been really helpful for me, is set a limit on your phone for your social media viewing each day. Yeah, you could just do that in the settings. Really easy phones. to do, right? Um, and once you hit that limit, what you'll, you'll see a little kind of alert pop up that's like, hey, you're doing too much. Um, <laughs> if you're still kind of anxious to be looking at your phone or just kind of toying around with something, go look at your bank statements and your credit card statements and fish through there and go, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm getting a little crazy with this spending 
or, hey, I didn't, this is a charge I don't recognize. I want to respond to it and dispute it or, you know, just kind of staying on top of it. I think that's for people who are really nervous about dealing with money. That's one of the really easy ways that you can just start to get more familiar with what you're spending and what's going on. And, and I guarantee you, if you're not looking at your bank statements and your credit card statements, you're going to look at it and be surprised that you're still getting billed for some gym you don't go to and you forgot oh, about yeah. or, you know, get that money, find that money and stop, stop it from disappearing. Yeah. Comcast billed me for six months when I canceled the service Ooh. once and I didn't even notice because yeah. it was just like a, it came at the end of the month and then I looked at it, the yep. kind of thing. Fortunately, Absolutely. I got that money uh, refunded. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, you might not even know that some weird charges is happening on there. Yep. And then worst case scenario, you know, maybe you end up overdrafting because you didn't realize that, you know, you had this expense come through. Nobody wants to have to deal with that. No. Yep. Well, thank you so much. This is, I know there's a lot of information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'll post links to these things. But uh, really great advice. And uh, I think it's just listening to this as a way to kind of feel a little more comfortable with this stuff. Like, oh, it's not, it doesn't have to be this big, overwhelming thing. And something yeah. we can all start doing little things to, to make ourselves more financially stable. Yeah, I mean, what I recommend to people is if you're really nervous about it, you're really anxious about it, just think about one thing that you can do that might seem the least sort of punishing or nerve-wracking for you, and just start there. Maybe that's, you know, letting a friend know that you would like to talk about money more, or maybe it's starting to write down, you know, record what your tips are each day. Just something simple that you can get started with that seems doable so you can kind of start building that momentum. Start small, work yeah. your way up. Well, thanks yeah. again. Thank you so much for being on the show. All right, really thank you. That was Sarah Brady. I know there was a lot to take in all at once, but try just starting with one small change that we talked about and build from there when it's right for you. Try setting up an automatic deposit of a percentage of your paycheck to a savings account, depositing all of your cash tips, or just set up a reminder to check your bank account and credit card statements once a month. I guarantee you will thank yourself in the future. If you're interested in Sarah's financial coaching services, she can be reached through her website, sarahcbrady.com. And if you're in the SF Bay Area, she'll be sharing more tips on money management for industry folks on Wednesday, December 4th. The event will be hosted by Jigger and Dash. You can go to jiggerandash.com for more info on that. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes or through our homepage, your86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E-8-6.com. New episodes every week, so don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.